Hey, Pastor Brian here. I want to thank you for tuning in to Rockhouse Baptist Church Podcast. I hope this message inspired you. I hope it encourages you to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Now, for today's message. Alrighty. First of all, thank you again for tuning in. Thank you for being here this morning. I love my little note up here every time I get up here. We would see Jesus. Amen. No matter what we do in our life, I hope that others would see Jesus through us. That's the goal. If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. But before we get into that, I want to read something to you from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I want to set the message up this morning with you knowing in your heart without a doubt that what you read and what you study and what you hear is God-breathed. It is the truth. God's Word is the truth. Amen? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, Paul writes to his protege, Timothy, and he says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God, or we'll throw a woman in there, man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Amen? All right. This morning I'm excited to uh, bring the Word to you. There's nothing like being in the house of the Lord. I'll just be honest with you. But as I was preparing this sermon, um, I was brought to tears. And uh, some may read it and say, well, why? It's just words on the page. But I'm going to be honest with you. As I began reading this scripture, I realized that this was the last known words of the Apostle Paul. For me, I was telling Stacy, it was like I lost a best friend. It was like the movie that you watch and you know it's going to have this certain ending and it still gets you every time. That's the way I felt about this scripture. I was so ingrained. I was almost like, I've never been that deep in my walk with the Lord in my prayer life. I think that's where it come from. I had a revelation that this is true, <laughs> that this is proof that Jesus Christ came and died for us. Amen? And I was so moved. I almost was like Paul, again, had lost a best friend. <laughs> Knowing that he was about to be martyred, we don't, it's not in the Bible, but it's pretty well known that Paul was beheaded. Many theologians seem to think that by the Emperor Nero. But what is so beautiful about this passage that we're going to read is that even though Paul knew he was about to die, the message never changed. His focus never changed. He told Timothy, go and preach the gospel. Most of the time, you would hear this type of sermon, I'm not going to lie, at a uh, men's conference or at a uh, minister's con conference because it's a reminder of what we're to do while we're here on earth. But I thought, you know what? If it's good enough for the minister, it should be good enough for every soldier and child of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because your job is the same as mine, to go and tell people about Jesus. If you can remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about Philippians chapter 1. And I don't know about you, but 
verse 18 still keeps coming back to me. When Paul says, what does it matter? What does it matter as long as the gospel is getting advanced? Now that's probably Brian Hubbard's translation, but that's how I kind of remember it. And then last week we talked about the sacrifice that Jesus made once and for all. Amen? Once and for all. But here we see Paul, okay? He knows this is his, pretty much his dying words. This is it for him. Paul is in prison, which we're used to that, but as I studied a little more this week, I found out that Paul is in actual, real, dungeon, full-blown prison when writing this letter. Now, the ones before, he was in prison, he was chained to a guard, but it was kind of like house arrest. He could get visitors, they could send him gifts, stuff of that nature. That's why he writes to the uh, Philippians of, you know, thank you for helping me in the times that you did. And even when you couldn't, I knew you would want to and would mean to. But now Paul's locked down. He's in the hole, I'd like to say, if you were in America nowadays. He, uh, the only daylight he's going to get is Jesus Christ from here on out. And I couldn't help but to think, even though it's coming to an end, he still writes in a very knowledgeable and meaningful way. If you were to backtrack these chapters, which you will this week in your readings, you will find that in first, or I'm sorry, Second Timothy chapter one, Paul is instructing Timothy to not be ashamed of the gospel and the power that it beholds. <laughs> it's up to you now, my friend. I'm handing this over to you. Chapter two, he talks about being strong in the grace of the Lord. And what it means to be an approved, approved worker for Christ. Chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Timothy, he gives warning of difficult times ahead. If you ever notice all of Paul's writings, he greets them, he tells them how to handle themselves, and then he hits them with, hey, oh yeah, this Christian walk's not easy. <laughs> There's going to be people coming after you. There's going to be people saying things about you. But don't worry. God is your victory. And that's kind of where we get today. But he doesn't heed from telling Timothy the truth about the struggles of the Christian walk. Anybody in here ever struggled in your Christian walk? If you, Thank you. I got one honest person here that rose their hand. It's a battle every day. I was fighting Satan right here in the front row just a moment ago. <laughs> but it brings us to where we're at today. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. We're going to read these and go to the Lord in a short prayer. Paul writes, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of His appearing in His kingdom, proclaim the message, persist in it whether convenient or not, rebuke, correct, encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine. Hmm. But according to their own desires, they will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. They will turn away from the hearing the truth. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to miss. But as for you, be serious about everything. Endure hardships. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me in the future the crown of righteousness. Hear that certainty this morning. Paul speaks from certainty. He doesn't say there might be. He says there is reserved for me. Some Bibles say laid up for me in the future, in the heavenly realm, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, here's the beauty, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Let us go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, teach us what we know not. Give us what we have not. Father, make us what we are not for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, and to glorify Him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You hear that? That's my baby back there. Hey, nobody amens over a, a stack of pancakes better than that girl. I can tell you that. Isn't that what it's about? That's exactly why we're here, folks. So the gospel gets passed on from generation to generation. I thank you, godly parents. I'm going to get on another soapbox. This ain't even a sermon, okay? That's my girls. But more importantly, I pray they're a child of God one day. Amen? Amen. It was once said, though, and I hate to start like this, but I'm going to. It was once said that there was nothing like the prospect of death to clarify the important issues of life. When you want to know what's important, you'll find it out on the doorstep of death. Amen. Then how many people have you seen kind of backtrack? Oh, Lord, I need you now. Folks, <laughs> I don't want to start like that this morning, but there's something to be said and learned here from what Apostle Paul is teaching us this morning. We're going to do it a little bit different. We're going to start out with verses 6 through 8. We're going to kind of work our way backwards up the ladder. Paul says in verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and at the time of, I'm sorry, and the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me in the future, amen, the crown of righteousness. I hear Steve Sizemore right now. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Here we know Paul's on his way out. He knows the end is near. <laughs> and Paul's, I felt like, was writing with a different tone now. He knew. Not that it was more sincere, because we know all Scripture is God-breathed. But I think he knew that it was time to express to Timothy this is it. As I was studying this week, I could feel it, but yet I could also feel Paul. If he had one thing to tell us, one thing we could learn, the gospel's got to go on. If Paul was standing here today, the Apostle Paul, no doubt in my mind he would say, advance the gospel. What would Jesus say if he was standing here today? No doubt in my mind he would say, tell people that I love them. Tell people about the love of God and that he's holy that he's marvelous, that he's magnificent, that you'll want to be with him one day. I also learned, though, this week, as I was studying in the Greek language, that when Paul would have wrote this, the nouns would have probably come before the verbs. So if we were to read verse 7 like this, and it puts a whole new meaning 
for me. Paul said this, The fight I have fought, the faith I have kept, the race I have finished. What an amazing declaration to God this was. The end was near, but he was rejoicing. Paul writes, Rejoice always. Again, I tell you to rejoice. He was never focused on himself. Why, you may ask. He Paul's right here. Praise the Lord. Because he knew victory was coming. <laughs> he told us there was laid up a crown for him. What an amazing feeling to know that you're victorious. I mean, here's a child of God this morning. You're victorious. It's over. You've won. You fight from victory. Kind of reminds me of the... I have to bring this in here and calm myself back down. At the time when I used to play high school sports, bless my coach's heart, they put up with a wild crew, buddy. That old 506 crew, if you're watching this morning, <laughs> you boys know who I'm talking about. They deserve every dime they got in and more coaching us. Right, Brad? <laughs> Thank you. I was waiting on Brad to come. Uh, but here's the thing. I remember my coach saying, you're victorious if at the end of the game you can look to your buddy on your right and your left and say, I gave it all for you. There was no scoreboard to tell you if you were victorious. It was if I could really, in my heart of heart, look at my teammate, my fellow Christian, and said, I did all I could for you, brother. I promise. I didn't leave anything on the field. I remember coach saying, don't save nothing. Don't you come back to this locker room with one regret. Paul says, I'm being poured out. I'm giving it all up. I'm a drink offering. He knew that the power of the Holy Spirit had worked through him, and he had done about all he could do. He says, I have fought the fight. I have ran the race. But Paul never, never lost faith. Although he was stoned, beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked, <laughs> left for dead, Paul knew there was a reward. He knew that he had to hold on to God's promises. I love the old song, and uh, I haven't heard it sang in a while. I sing it to myself in the, in the shower in the car, so. Standing on the promises of Christ, my Savior. Amen? That's, a, that's how I get through my life. I'm standing on the promises of God. It's important to know, though, here's some Bible study that the early church at this time was kind of in an uncharted water situation. They'd never been here before. What do I mean? They were moving from an apostolic church to a post-apostolic era. What am I saying? Well, all these disciples, all these people that walked with Jesus and was taught by Jesus, they're all now starting to, to fade away. Their, their race is over. The fight that they have fought is over. You know, they're either been beheaded. They've been martyred some form or fashion. John's about to get exiled. <laughs> uh, we know about that in Revelations. But even though all that's going on, Paul says you have to carry out the commandments of Jesus. You have to go, teach others, baptize them in the name of the Holy Spirit. This new leadership was about to pass from one hand to another. Similar to what has happened at Rock House here. Okay? 
There has been one raised up to come. There's been another teacher to teach. I'm so thankful that God's laid on your all's hearts to fulfill those voids. The youth ministry, the worship ministry, every single ministry, I'll be honest with you, you can say what you want, hasn't missed a beat, and sometimes I look around and I go, it's going even better than what I could have imagined. Amen? Amen. Well, that's because somebody had built that, because the Lord had laid it on our hearts. But Paul gets a little in-depth when he goes to verse 1 here. And he makes a charge to Timothy. He says, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing in his kingdom. Paul gives this charge. And the word solemnly means serious. Actually, if you do some studies on it, it means courtly. <laughs> you ever had to go to court because someone solemnly charged you or said you had to be there? There was no missing it. If there was, they was coming after you, right? Paul's saying, look, I'm charging you with this. This is your duty. This is what you have to do. He reminds him that he doesn't really answer the people. If you look at verse 1, the charge is before who? God Almighty. You don't answer to anybody but one. Our life that we live should be pleasing to God. Now, if it's pleasing to God, you have to remember what Jesus said. If they hate you, remember, they what? They hated me first. The world isn't going to like you. I'll be honest with you. They sometimes, my fellow Christians probably ain't like me. But in my heart of hearts, I think I'm trying to do what's right for the Lord. Amen? And you can't go wrong. If you are enriched in Scripture and you are deep in prayer... Nobody else's opinion matters. Only the Lord. I love what Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. My wife gets to hear this a lot. <laughs> when, Lord, I'm just going to go on the soapbox. When you get on Facebook, somebody said something about you or talked about your workplace or talked about your church or talked about whatever, your family, or come up and question you. Boy, them folks you run with, they awful crazy, ain't they? They're crazy for the Lord. Like Henry Ironside, they're a fool for Jesus. Whose fool are you is what I want to say sometimes. But I remember what Paul said in um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, when he says this. Here you go, Dan, if Dan's in the house. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the recruiter. Hmm. Who's recruiting you? I can guarantee you Jesus Christ has laid something on your heart. He's the one you got to please. I'm not worried about getting entangled into what Facebook says. <laughs> I'm not worried about if they try to steal the trailer in the middle of the night out here. It happened last night. You know what? They can have the thing. The gospel is what matters. Amen? I don't want them to take it. If you're hearing me at home and you're tuning in, please, I don't want you to take our cars and our trailers. But having said that, I do want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. Amen? He loves us all. John Wesley said it best. He said it like this. Do all the good you can. By all the means you can. In all the ways you can. In all the places you can. At all the times you can. To all the people you can. For as long as you can. Amen.
John Wesley, a very powerful man of God, a, a good soldier of God. Our lives should cast the framework for a godly living. We talked about a shadow uh, last week. You know what we are to the next generation? We're that gospel shadow. They want to see the real thing of Jesus Christ. We're to cast that shadow of Jesus. That way, through us, they know who Jesus Christ is. Paul goes on to verse 2. And he tells Timothy, Proclaim the message. You know what he's telling you today? Proclaim the message. Let me say it again. Maybe I can get an amen somebody back there. Here's what God is telling you this morning. Proclaim the message. Thank you. Persist in it whether convenient or not. Are you hearing this? Some Bibles say in season or out of season. Rebuke, correct, encourage with patience, with great patience, that's a good one for me, and teaching. Hmm. My wife would probably say with great patience, Pastor. Did you hear what you were saying this morning? With great patience. But I know this. White is a football player. We got something in here, right? In the off season, white better be in the what, Brad? In the weight room, preparing for the season. In your off season, you better be on your knees and face down to the good Lord, praying for an opportunity to share the gospel. That way when the season rolls around and those Friday nights come and you meet with those lost people at these football games, I'll connect them both. You say, hey, brother, this stuff's all fun and fine, but there's only one thing that matters in your life, and that's your eternity. Where are you going to go? Now, this is a tough verse to handle. I'll be honest with you. Because <laughs> it's easy to proclaim Christ when you're on the mountaintop. What's the, what's the song, uh, Even If you, you Know My Hopes and You Alone? When I'm held to the flame like I am right now. What are you going to say when you're held to the flame? When you're in the storm of life and you're in the boat and it's the waves are just beating you down. I heard Charles Stanley give a good illustration and I thought, this is perfect. What it means to hold on to God in the storm. He said back in the, the biblical days when the ships would take off for sail, they couldn't pick up their phone and go, hmm, five-day forecast at 6 o'clock. They didn't have that, okay? They understood the seasons and the times and the changes, but that doesn't mean you can predict what's coming. So they just took off in faith to uh, sail to their destiny. And here's what they would do. When the boat would be rocked by the waves and, and water would be coming in and that moment sets in of, uh-oh, there's no oh God bar, you know, in the car. Oh God, save me. Here's what they would do. They would take a rope, and they would tie that rope around their waist, and they would tie it to the boat. And they knew as long as they were tied to the boat, they were going to be okay. They couldn't be thrown over. They couldn't be tossed over or overcome. They knew this. That wherever this ship goes, that's where I'm going to go. If it goes down, I'm going down with it. If this ship makes it to the island, I'm going to be right there too. Folks, God is our ship in life. You need to fasten your ropes and anchor your soul to Him and His blood. Amen? If you don't hear nothing this morning, hear this. You at home, fasten yourself to God. 
He'll never let you be overtook or overcome. Paul commands us in this verse to press the message home. Really, our job is this. People are going to want to hear something new. They're going to hear, you know, I've been to church all my life. I don't know how many times you get this. You know, I, I haven't. Don't hear me say that. But people say, well, I've been to church all my life. What are you going to tell me that I don't know, Pastor? <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell you nothing you don't know, but I might tell you something you're missing. The love of Christ will overcome anything that you've been through. Amen? And that's the gospel. We are to remind people of the gospel. I used to think, me and Brother Daniel would talk about it all the time, Brother Tyler sometimes, that I had to say something that would wow them. Wow, that guy's pretty sharp in the Bible. They know me. I'm not going to wow anybody with any kind of remembrance of anything other than this. Jesus Christ came to this earth and died for you, and his blood was shed for you. And that's the gospel. I can promise you this. Paul says, when they all deserted me, read this week in Timothy, he said, they all have deserted me, some in Asia, some here, some there. But I know that my Lord and Savior is right with me. Gosh, that's so good. Paul could stand on God's promises because he knew what Isaiah said in chapter 40, verse 8. We cannot go wrong, folks. We cannot go wrong in sharing the gospel. It's not always comfortable, hear me this morning, but it is profitable. Did I say profitable for Brian and Greg and Brad and Riley? No. Matter of fact, sometimes for the profit to come, as in the gospel to be shared, you have to be uncomfortable. But Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 says this, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. Gosh, that's so good. I don't know about you, but I knew that when Paul was sitting there and he was looking, <laughs> and it was the end, he probably thought, because he knew the old scripture, the word of our God remains forever. Now lead us into verses 3 and 4 this morning. Paul says in verse 3 and 4, For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine. Now remember, you, this is more of a minister's, what you would hear at a minister conference, but this is for us too. And I'm going to start over. I'll quit interrupting the scripture. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. Some Bibles say that they want their ears tickled. Verse 4, they will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to the myths. These words were true in Paul's day, and guess what? It's true today. It's true today. If you don't believe me, turn on your TV, okay? Go to town. It's true today. Many people, and I hope it's none of us, are worried about all the wrong things. They chase after all the wrong things. And I couldn't help but to think about um, the time that Moses was leading them through the wilderness and the Israelites. I know you all know this story very well. I'm preaching to the choir, as they say. But we're just like that. Say what you want to. We're just like the Israelites. They had an audible voice from God in the clouds. 
Okay, in a burning bush. You know the whole story. They had the audible voice of God. But yet, how many times did they turn away from that voice for something that they could hold, that they could see, that was concrete? I think of the golden calf. You know, when Moses went up to see God and they bugged Aaron to death and they needed a golden calf. You know, and Aaron come up with some idea. But they denied the audible voice of God. And I think about us having the Holy Spirit in our hearts. How many people hear God's audible voice at times? Yeah. If you read His Word, you're going to. I promise. He's going to say, eh, I don't know. Those little nudges here and there, that's probably God. Don't put that off. That's probably God. But we're the same way. We'll trade that voice. God, are you sure you're saying that? How many people? Yeah, yeah, that's... You sure you want me to do this? <laughs> I can just hear the devil now kind of saying, did God really say that? Did he really mean that? And I thought about Luke chapter 9, verse 23, when Jesus said, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Folks, hear those words this morning. If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That means less of you, less of Brian, less of Rod, less of Gary, and more of Jesus. You may think you're perfect. There's times I thought I probably was. I'm not going to lie. But I needed a lot less of Brian and a lot more of Jesus. Amen? We cannot accumulate enough desires to bring us closer to God. Following Jesus, hear me out this morning, is a full-time gig. In season and out of season, we have to follow Him when it's high, when we're low. We have to follow Him when people's treating us good or people's talking real bad to us. Amen? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought she was amening me. Somebody's listening back there. That's dad-dad. That's right. You have to love Jesus so much that you have to put yourself in His shoes. I have found a revelation in Scripture when I wasn't just reading the Bible, but I was praying through it with the Holy Spirit, and I said, that's me. Hear me out. Think about what they did to Jesus. One Sunday, they were literally rolling out the red carpet for the old guy. They were laying down palm branches. Hosanna. Hosanna, they were singing. Hosanna in the highest. And a week later, can you tell me what they did? They crucified him. Folks, you cannot put your hope and faith in Jesus. Or I'm sorry, you have to put your hope and faith in Jesus Christ and not people. Amen? You cannot put it in people. Jesus is the only way. Lord, forgive me. I slipped up on that one. But Paul was writing these letters. And I got to thinking, you know, they thought they killed him. They thought when I hung him on the cross, poked him in the side, put the crown of thorns, spat on him. But oh, was they fooled. Amen, right? Oh, was they fooled. Verse 5 says this, But as for you, be serious, some Bibles say, of sober mind about everything. Endure hardships. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And that's where our sermon title comes from this morning. I didn't say it just yet because I wanted to save it till now. You've probably already seen it. But Paul says to Timothy, fulfill your ministry. 
So I want to get kind of personal this morning. I hope you're tuned in for the last five minutes or so here. Are you fulfilling the ministry that God has given you? Because He's gave you a gift. He's gave you a ministry. He's gave you a window to work. Are you fulfilling that ministry? It's kind of like driving the spiritual car. My wife will get a kick out of this. It's kind of like driving the spiritual car and you're under the navigation of Jesus. Or you can be under the navigation of self with your life. Jesus says do this. And you go, I don't know, I'm going to do this. Here's what I can promise you. I can promise you this. If you're not driving the car under the navigation of Jesus Christ, it won't be long before you're recalculating. Amen. I remember a time when Stacy and I were at this stop. This is the truth. And I'll hush soon. Actually, we ain't been here in two weeks. Let's double this thing down, right? Y'all ain't got nowhere to go. Can you leave me? Come on, you're going home. Let's stay in the house of the Lord this morning. But no, this is the truth. We were up in Lexington, and I'm not sure what we were doing. Who knows? We get to this stop in Siri. The, you know, Siri, the, the lady there. I don't know who she is. But you know Siri, okay? Was sitting there, and she was saying, in 20 feet, turn right. Stacy said, oh, no, turn left. So now I've got one woman who sees from up here, one woman who's right here and can just reach over. I said, I think we need to go right. She's going to call me a liar, okay? you are. No, we're going to go left. Well, out of my good graces and my heart, I listened to the woman sitting next to me and not the one with the 30,000-foot view, you know? And here we go down the one-way street in the wrong direction. Recalculating, recalculating, she said. Folks, that's the way it is with Jesus. I traveled 25 years down the one-way street. That was a wide gate, the Bible says. Anybody can come down this street. But I was doing this, and I was dodging, escaping death. And it wasn't until about June 25th, 2015, I said, you know what, God? I've heard you tell me to recalculate this, redo this with my life. And you know what? I've traveled 25 years this way, probably 25 miles in the wrong direction. And all that can be erased if I just turn this thing around and let you steer me. That's what God's saying this morning. Hear this this morning. It's not about you. It's about God. The work that you do for God this is a truth I have found this week. The work that we do for God is a gift from God. I want to read this to you. The Word of God does the work of God by the Spirit of God in the people of God. Amen? I'm going to say that again. The Word of God does the work of God by the Spirit of God in the people of God. Where were we on that list? At the end. The Word of God will do the work through the Spirit. We just got to be, like the song said, available. We have to be available. So I want to close with this this morning. Are you available? Are you available to be used by God? Think about that for a moment. Don't let that be another Sunday sermon that you just come in here and you're tired and it's past 12. You say, gosh, preacher, 
Now listen, are you available for God? If you're too busy to pray and do God's will for your life, I can promise you this. You're busier than God wants you to be. <laughs> you're a lot busier than what God wants you to be. Put away that stuff. Put away that stuff. I can give you a testimony. For me not to watch football ever is tough. It didn't bring me closer to God. So when time came, and it was time to sit down and watch TV or read my scripture, the work of God was in me that night. And it continues to be in me. You have to want to get closer to God. You have to be in prayer. God doesn't want you so busy He can't use you. And here's the thing. His ministry won't make you so busy that your family is lost, that your work is lost, that your friends are lost. He may show you new friends. Amen? He may show you new ones. But He won't leave you out there. If you put God first, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto. John Piper said it best, and this will be what we close with. John Piper, great man of God, preaching, still living today, wrote this about living for God. Life is wasted if we do not grasp the glory of the cross. Cherish it for the treasure that it is and cleave to it as the highest price for every pleasure and the deepest comfort in every pain. What was once foolishness to us, a crucified God, must become our wisdom and our power and our boast, our only boast in this world. Amen. Christ is all we have. Paul writes to Timothy saying, you come into this world with nothing, you're going to leave this world with nothing. But the grace of the Lord is all you need. Now, I want to ask you again this morning, are you fulfilling God's ministry for your life? Can you honestly say, right where you're sitting, at home, in church, in the parking lot, wherever you're at, I know without a shadow of a doubt God is using me how He wants to use me. That starts with being saved. If you're not saved this morning, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And for you to do the work of God, you need to be under the grace of God. You can do all these great works. Amen? But it's in vain if it's not for the Lord. And until you experience God's undeserved mercy, you can never truly fulfill His work. But if you're a child of God, let me ask you this. If you're a child of God, are you available for Jesus? Are you available for God? Are you putting the things that don't matter aside for the advancement of the gospel? I just have a feeling in my heart that when we get to heaven and we're about to walk through the pearly gates and if there's a question asked, whatever it be, it ain't going to be about the things we have. It ain't going to be about the things that we've done that was outside of Christ. It ain't going to be about... Uh, the jobs, the money we made. There's going to be one thing that matters, folks. Did you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart so much that everything you've done come from that love? Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy. God, I'm so thankful to be back in 
your house, Lord. I'm so thankful to just know the undeserved grace and mercy that you pour out on me and on any Christian who believes with a heart, confesses with a mouth. Father, I pray that there's somebody lost here today, whether they be at home, in the parking lot, Father, here at church this morning, that they really heed to what Scripture says when it says today is the day of salvation. Jesus says that he come to seek and save that which was lost, that he would leave 99 to find one. Oh, Lord, I hope that we would leave the world as the 99 to go find that one lost. I hope that we're praying, Father, as a church for that one lost person that we know. God, I know the power that you possess. I know who you are. Lord, and as Apostle Paul gives us what we believe is his last known words, go preach the message. Proclaim the message in season, out of season, when convenient, when not. Folks, I pray that when we're faced with a decision, that this decision doesn't come lightly, that we would seek God above all else. Lord, watch over us. Guide and lead us. Father, let us have greater trust when we leave here today than what we have before. Let us walk closer with you, God, than what we've ever walked before. Let us seek you, like King David said, a man after God's own heart. Lord, I love you and I thank you. It's in Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Again, thank you for tuning in. You can also find us on Facebook.com by searching Rockhouse Baptist Church. Or you can go to our website, rockhousebaptist.org. Thank you for listening.